This is a map of the major civilizations post-1990 as defined in Samuel Huntington's eponymous, The Clash of Civilizations and the Remaking of World Order. You'll notice the dark blue as being Western, which covers the Western Peninsula of the Eurasian continent, but also Canada, the United States, Australia, and New Zealand, as those countries are strongly connected to Europe by colonization, culture, and whose language and demographic ethnic majorities are currently European. Western culture or Western civilization is characterized by a host of artistic, philosophical, literary, and legal themes and traditions. The heritage of Greek, Roman, Germanic, Celtic, Slavic, and other ethnic and linguistic groups, as well as the Roman Catholic and Orthodox churches, which played an important part in shaping Western civilization since at least the fourth century, and the teachings of Jesus, such as the parable of the Good Samaritan, are among the most important sources for modern notions of human rights and the welfare measures commonly provided by governments in the West. But what will the Western world be when the majority of people living in the West are no longer Western? This is not some hypothetical question. Cities across the Western world, Los Angeles, London, Marseille, are all minority-majority cities, and not only other cities, but entire countries are projected to fall within a very short amount of time. And what will a future West bereft of Westerners look like? What kind of societies can we expect, not only for our children and grandchildren, but for ourselves as we age? Australia, England, the US, and much of Western Europe will no longer be Western nations by mid-century. This is not an alarmist statement. It's not a statement of defeatism or of ultranationalism, as some would like to suggest it is. It is, unless something very much changes, one of fact. This is also not to say that I'm against or even dislike many of the cultural groups flooding into the West. That, with sheer numbers, will extinguish it. I'm very interested in Eastern cultures, as well as Latin and some elements of Islamic, especially in Turkey, Lebanon, and Iran. But there is a difference, because the people that are ramming their way into the West today, they're not Western, nor do they have any connection to it. As well, their cultures are not under direct threat of extinction, as they are not destinations themselves for mass uncontrolled immigration, nor are their societies destroying themselves via willful ignorance, greed, and excessive political correctness. At the moment, nowhere, with perhaps the exception of Sweden, but nowhere in the West is as drunk on national virtue signaling that has become for all intents and purposes a reality TV show in the form of its prime minister, the former substitute drama teacher and part-time ski instructor, Justin Trudeau's Canada. If there is a country anywhere on earth whose limitless greed, forfeiture of the intergenerational contract, mass delusional and willful ignorance, and mixed with a toxic, peer-reinforced ideological conformity can be found anywhere on earth that can outdo Canada in these respects, I've yet to hear of it. Thus, for the purposes of this thought experiment, we'll be using Canada as it is in the forefront of this experiment. And I want you to remember that word because it's the same word that governments across the West use when referring to speaking about replacing their traditional populations with another new and very different population. 
Western democratic institutions that are controlled via globalist corporate and banking interests are using the cultural Christian inheritance of the West and its teachings that have created the modern human rights industry and have wed these cultural tendencies to the irreligious institutions of the left like academia and the media and are using witless pawns like Antifa and Amnesty International to help global finance import a limitless number of new debt slaves into the West. And this is being done at the expense of the people being displaced in their ancestral homelands. Even today, Canada has begun to fracture as ethnic and demographic replacement gathers pace. As immigration booms, ethnic enclaves swell and segregation has become the norm. In 1981, Canada only had six neighborhoods with ethnic enclaves, which are neighborhoods where more than 30% of the population is a visible minority. By 2012, that number had mushroomed to more than 260. And in cities like my hometown of Vancouver, home to nearly half of these enclaves, neighborhoods are becoming increasingly defined by ethnicity. Unlike the racial ghettos in the US and France, however, Canada's ethnic communities are shaped by choice. And these enclaves of today have much more staying power than the little Italys of past. And this is explained by Mohamed Kadir, Professor Emeritus of Urban and Regional Planning at Queen's University. While Canada's influx of Italians, Dutch, and Germans largely ended after only 10 or 20 years, India, China, and South Asia represent near bottomless supplies of new Canadians. Also in 2012, the BBC ran a story that acknowledged that a country's demographics are its destiny and that Canada is preparing for its Asian, not Western future. Vancouver, as Vancouver is locally already known, is a reality with a minority majority population and has become in less than 20 years the most Asian city outside of Asia. Moreover, according to University of London professor Eric Kaufman, seven out of 10 residents in Vancouver will be visible minorities within two decades and 80% of the Canadian population compared to 20% today will be non-white in less than a century. Kaufman also notes that Canada is undergoing the fastest rate of ethnic change of any country in the Western world. And before the naysayers tar the professor as a hate-filled bigot, the man was born in Hong Kong, he's half Chinese, and he did end up, like me, growing up in Vancouver. He then poses the questions that must be asked about why such drastic population replacement is taking place and who is benefiting from it. Canada's economy grows because of an increasing population, but the average Canadian, no matter what ethnicity, gets a smaller piece of a bigger pie. Canada will also have to come to the realization that most newcomers bring with them values and traditions that may differ radically with respects from those that most Canadians, which are still currently Western, hold. And according to a recent Vancouver Sun article, the costs are enormous with estimates of newly arrived migrants having to be underwritten by the existing taxpayers by as much as $30 billion per year. Housing in larger cities like Toronto and especially Vancouver is completely out of control as massive price increases have been caused largely due to the ceaseless flow of new arrivals and the quality of life for most residents is negatively affected via increased congestion and pressure on the education and health systems. 
And I can give first-hand experience seeing the evolution of Vancouver from a Western, European-oriented city to what it is today, as well as the challenges of a never-ending influx of newcomers is having on the city. Basically put, none of my friends can afford to own a home unless they can inherit one. However, those that benefit from the continued massive intake of migrants include various political parties as they seek to import and grow their political base, leaders of immigrant organizations that are keen to expand their base and increase their influence on society, and perhaps most importantly are developers that seek an endless supply of new home buyers and who contribute significant sums, particularly at the municipal level, to local political parties and candidates. And also recently, any criticism of mass uncontrolled immigration is also treated as hate speech, as the vast majority of newcomers are visible minorities. But as I've said before, a moderate degree of diversity can enrich and create a more vibrant society. I liked eating sushi as a child, but it's quite something else when the existing population, its culture, its history, and its traditions are totally replaced, as is happening in Vancouver and Canada as a whole when there is no legitimate reason for allowing this to happen. And to preempt the comment section, there is no looming labor shortage that cannot be met with the existing workforce and educational infrastructure that Canada already possesses. Immigration, moreover, does not provide a realistic means of dealing with the costs associated with the aging population. Should Canada continue along its path of greed, ignorance, and extreme political correctness, it will become the first country in the West but surely followed by others, to willingly and voluntarily allow its population and culture to be replaced by those from elsewhere. And what kind of society will the descendants of today's Canadians inherit? When I was growing up, people were arriving in Canada, came in numbers that could be absorbed. In school, I had East Indian, Chinese, Filipino, Korean, and Latin American friends, and I still do. And as I've said, I have no problem with controlled immigration, but what is happening now is on a completely different level. All current studies into the effects of mass uncontrolled immigration, diversity, and hyperdiversity paint a very bleak future as it erodes social capital, cohesion, trust, empathy, and creates tension, disharmony, and feelings of alienation. And I'll list a dozen or so research papers that can be found by following a link in the description to the notes of this presentation. The reason being as I've already made a video on the effects of hyperdiversity, which you can also find by following that same link to the notes. Simply put, the West cannot use other people's children to continue its own civilization. A civilization, I might add, that wherever it has gone has created societies that are the envy of the world and the reason that people are drawn to it and leave the failure and dysfunction of their own civilizations behind in a hope of enjoying the fruits of prosperity, freedom, and liberalism that Western people have built for themselves over centuries. The paradox is that as the West and countries like Canada willingly give away that which was bequeathed them through the toil, blood, sweat, and tears of their ancestors, they are most likely also destroying the hopes for peace and social cohesion for all if something is not changed very soon, as the numbers that are set to arrive and are on their way are so great that the Western society they hope to live in and benefit from will for all intents and purposes be a thing of the past. So remind me again, why is it such a great idea that virtually every single country in the West is going down the same road or the same drain? 
as Canada. What are your thoughts? Can the West still be Western after decades of mass uncontrolled immigration? Can the West replace itself demographically and still be the West? If so, how and why? Leave me your ideas in the comments section below. And as always, if you like this material, please consider subscribing and thank you for watching.